to everybody in the house of the Lord. Aren't you glad to be here today? Amen. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise as we begin our service today? We are going to be going in here in just a few minutes. We're going to be going into a David dedication kicking off before we get into our singing and sermon today. But before we go there, I do want to give just a few announcements because I tend to get, get preachy and forget to give them, so I'm going to try my best not to forget them for you today. How does that sound? Council election is coming up. That is going to actually be on August the 14th. Uh, if you would like to be considered for a position, and um, I have had one person that's, that's come forward, and so thank you for that uh, to be considered. There are three positions that are available this year, and so just let myself or Ms. Sandra Mickle on the keyboard here, that's our administrative assistant here at the church, by August 7th, uh, quite frankly, the sooner you let us know, the better it is, all right? So if you're interested in that, please let one of us know. VBS is coming up uh, next Sunday uh, on July 27th. We'll have a petting zoo. The 20th, we'll have a water slide and a lot of fun in between that. Door prizes, all kinds of stuff. I promise you it is going to be a great learning experience and also a fun time for your kids and your grandkids. Get them here. And um, we're going to have fun together. July 24th, 27th, and 31st, uh, I am scheduled to be out of town. And um, Brother Larry Anderson, we've got General Assembly coming up um, that we're going to be going to. Um, plans are to go to. And Larry Anderson will be our guest speaker. Y'all know Larry. I trust him totally with the pulpit. I'm a very picky type pastor. I don't just let anybody preach in the pulpit. Um, I, I try to value the sacred desk and, uh, and the person that stands behind it. Larry is wonderful. Matter of fact, has family here, and I trust him totally. He'll do a superb job, and so we're excited about that. I also got a few prayer requests. I do want us, uh, before we start here, I want to say a special prayer for the Chavez family. Our brother Carol's mother passed away uh, just yesterday, and so our prayers are with you. And um, he said she lived a good, long life. I think she was in her 90s, if I'm not mistaken. And so we give God glory for that, a life well lived. She was a child of God, so today he said she's in heaven. So our prayers are definitely with you guys today. I want to open in a word of prayer. Father, we want to thank you for your blessings today. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for everything that you've done for us. Thank you, Father, that regardless of our failures, regardless of our mistakes, you love us anyhow. You call us your own. We are your children. You are our father. We are your sons. We are your daughters. So, Father, today we thank you for loving us like that. We pray today in this service that something special would happen. We pray today that through the songs of Zion that are sung, through the preaching of the word that is spoken, I am praying that you would speak into the lives of individuals today. Let us all leave this place saying it was just a wonderful thing to be a part of that service and to be in the house of the Lord. We pray today especially for the Chavez family as I just mentioned. Give them the strength that they need during this hard journey that they're facing right now. Father, we pray for strength, comfort, and peace in their hearts, which I just in talking to them, you've already given them that peace. And so for that, we give you glory and honor. We thank you that another child of God has made it home in this world. Father, bless us today. Holy Spirit, fill this house. Take control and do what you do best. In Jesus' name. Come on, baby Red. Let's get kicked off right here. You know, the old devil tried to hinder them this morning. A car messed up or something, but guess what? They made it. So we're happy about that. Give them a hand clap. Uh, 
I was preparing yesterday, and I thought to myself, now you just look at this face, right? I thought to myself, how in the world can people be so wicked and cruel and vile as to take a precious gift from God like this and afford it and get rid of it? So I thank God today that at Gap Hill that we stand for life. And I thank God for that. Because we've got kids like this just all over the place. Before we know it, they'll be running everywhere. It's a beautiful thing. I love life. I love babies. I love knowing that this is the future of a church, folks. It's those kids. And I was looking up some stuff, and I, I, I just, I, I want to go to 127 here. Go ahead. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman just stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives, leave it right here, for he gives his beloved sleep. So according to Solomon in our text today, he teaches us that all labor that is done independently outside of God, it is done in vain. So he's speaking not only to individuals, he's speaking to the family. And he says to the family, he says, when you get ready to start a family, the first stone that needs to be laid is the chief cornerstone, Jesus Christ. And I'm preaching to the choir today because these folks right here come to church, they love Jesus, they bring rent to church, and I promise you that uh, they're going to continue to do that. And so it's just important that we build the foundation off of this because unless the Lord gets involved, everything that we do in our power, it fails. Even with our children, right? We, we can do our best. But at some point, we have to step back and say, God, they're in your hands, right? It's because we understand this concept. And oftentimes, we even pray that prayer for straying children as they age. And we say, all right, all right, you know what? I raised them right. I trained them right. Holy Ghost, go get them. Because you know that there's something inside of them. Because when you started your family, you started it on the right foundation. You started it on Jesus Christ. But if you don't do that today, you're doing everything, he says, in vain. So it doesn't matter how many marriage or parenting books you read, how much advice you get from other people, all fails if the foundation is not built on God. Verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. That's right. Your screaming baby in the middle of the night is your reward. I like this. Like arrows are in the hand of a warrior, so are children, are the children of one's youth. Verse 5. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. So far from being a burden, far from being an inconvenience, children are intended to be a reward from the Lord, a value, a gift from the Lord and they should be treated as such you should thank God for your children you should praise God for your kids even when they're not exactly like how you want them to be or doing things the way you want them to do it 
you ought to praise God today that you've got the blessing of a child. Because there's some people unable to have them. And so thank God today that God has blessed you. So he says there's children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Can you imagine going to a battle without a weapon? But if, if the children are arrows, and if they are to hit their target and fulfill the kingdom purpose in their life, it is our job to shape them. It is our job to position them. Are y'all ready for this? I almost feel like I could preach on this. I mean, this is... It's our job to aim them in the right direction so later in life, bam, they're going to hit their mark. Everybody's still with me. So today, we bless. We bless this family. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them, and he shall never be put to shame. So today, again, the message, my motto from the church, get your quiver full of them. Have them children. They are blessings from the Lord. One day you're going to get old. The more you have, the better chance you have that they're going to take care of you. All right? The gift of a child. God has blessed the union of a husband and a wife with a beautiful little boy bringing joy into their lives. For children are blessings sent from God above, a precious gift, heaven sent. It's an expression of God's love. On the foundation of this love, may this little boy grow, discovering the truths of God, and to one day come to know that Jesus Christ is Lord of all and has an awesome plan, a destiny, and I like this, only he can fulfill as he takes God by the hand and walks with him every day with God's vision for his life and godly passion. He will fulfill the commission of Jesus Christ. So we have your baby dedication form to showing that baby Rhett Duncan Roper was dedicated to God. That's for you to keep, of course. And then we have also the New Testament Bible, which is love and redness as your name on it. I know right now it doesn't mean much. Yeah, so look at there. He loves it. He loves it, folks. Kid loves the Bible.
Father, right now in the name of Jesus, thank you for this family. Thank you for this precious baby boy. Rest, we are praying for him. Not only do we pray for his parents as they lead him and guide him through life, but we are praying for an anointing to come over his life. There is destiny all over him. And just like Samuel and just like Jesus, we're anointed and blessed in the temple. Father, we pray over your son right now that you would give him an anointing, use him, whatever that is, let it be all for the glory of God and for the kingdom. Bless him in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Give him a hand clap again. Let's all stand. Let's go ahead and get up and stand. And Beth's going to lead us in some worship this morning. God bless you.
Spontaneous like that, I can't help it. So good to see you in the house of the Lord today, folks. I love it when we got a lot going on. We got dedications going on, singing going on, prayer going on, preaching going on. 
praising going on. If you're bored, then I'm sorry. I can't help you. Amen. Can we give Jesus another hand clap of praise in this house today? It's in my office on my desk. I left my bag in there. Again, I've got a lot going on today. All right. I want to deal with the topic as I was studying yesterday. I want to deal with the topic entitled, The Lord is My Doorkeeper. The Lord is My Doorkeeper. Now, I want us to go to Revelation chapter 3 this morning, if we could. And, of course, this is going to the uh, church of Philadelphia. And Philadelphia is the one church I would mention to you that actually had a really good report. Um, a matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that they were the one that actually were faithful. Uh, all the other churches you're reading about, there's a lack of faith, there's failures, there's sins. We've got a Sardis that is half dead, um, trying to save their life. They're going around telling people, man, our church is on fire. And then whenever people come there, <clears throat> all that they find is a dead, dried up church. All of these God has to rebuke really for telling lies is what they're doing, lying about who they really were. <clears throat> but the church of Philadelphia is a church of brotherly love. It is a church that quite frankly, thank you sweetheart, it is a church that quite frankly has everything together. They're really doing good. Can I tell you there's in one place where the Bible teaches us that we can have everything in order, but if we don't have love, we don't have anything. Perhaps sometime we need to go back to the days that we just get simple again and just love one another like Jesus loves us. If we could get that down pat, there would be a lot less trouble in the church. Somebody ought to say amen. amen. Let's go to verse 7. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true. Grab this. He who has the key of David. Are y'all ready for this? He who opens and no one shuts. And he shuts and no one opens. I want to say something right here. The person or the one who holds the keys has the authority to unlock the doors. I, I, I go to Six Mile Elementary. I'm, I'm actually at Edwards now, but I used to do a mentor program there. And me and my little fellow, I moved up with him. But when he was there, I remember there used to be a custodian there. And there was this little garden on the inner court. It was kind of like an inner court that we would go to. And I remember seeing that custodian there. I can't even remember his name right now. But I remember seeing him and I said, Sir, could you get me access to this area? We would like to eat in here. And I remember him pulling out a set of keys. And I'm going to tell you something. It's kind of like our keys, I guess. Has anybody got a set of keys that's got about 100 on there? But when it comes time to open a door, you know exactly which key you need. Can I tell you that's the way the doorkeeper Jesus is today. He knows the doors that need to be open in your life. And you need to understand that. Amen. He's got a big old key ring. And he's got a key for every door that you're ever going to go through. That you're ever going to face. Don't you worry about the door opening for you. The one that has the keys of David has the power. And the authority 
to open the door. Somebody needs to hear this today. God is speaking to someone today as we talk about this. And I remember that school custodian, he, with that huge set of keys, he went and he opened up that door and he gave me access to an area. Verse 8. He said, I know your work. See, I have set before you an open door and no one can shut it. Aren't you glad to know that? For you have a little strength. You've kept my word and you have not denied my name. The little phrase has been in my spirit this week. The Lord, he is my doorkeeper. Man is not my doorkeeper, even though they've tried to be. Anybody ever had somebody that tried to get in the way of what God was trying to do in your life? Have you ever had anybody try to get in the way of a marriage? Me and my wife, when we got ready to get married, man, my church people, they must have loved me to death, I guess. They didn't want nobody else having little Jimmy. My mama didn't want anybody having little Jimmy. At one point, they kind of, oh, you don't need to get married. You don't need to do that stuff. But guess what? Lovebirds at 18, we got married. We're still around. That's right. 20 plus years later, we're still around. They said we couldn't make it. This wasn't the will of God. That's not going not gonna to work for you. But I want you to understand, man is not my doorkeeper. So I don't care really when man tries to get in the way because man cannot stop what God has put together. What man tries to tear, God said even about marriage while we're on that, he said what God has put together, let no man try to come in and asunder or divide or tear that up because God is the doorkeeper. He's the one that opened the door, not man in the first place. Circumstances are not my doorkeeper. But my televangelist didn't let me know that one. He told me if I'd just send him some money, everything would be good. And it's been hell on earth ever since. Welcome to being a Christian. Because circumstances are going to happen. But circumstances are not my doorkeeper today. Your employer is not your doorkeeper. My background or my education is not my doorkeeper. The Lord is my door. Would somebody declare that with me? The Lord is my doorkeeper. You want to try it one more time? The Lord is my doorkeeper. I want you to declare that today because I'm telling you, God is speaking to someone in this house and he is wanting you to know that the door that you think man has shut on you, it is not shut for good. He's got the key to the door and he is about to open up doors for you that people have been trying to shut. You've got to believe that today. He's the one that holds the keys. See, let, let, let me show you real quickly. We are always moving through a thing that I would like to call seasons, right? We have four seasons. How many of you knew that? Boy, there's only two of you, so I feel really smart right now. In the wintertime, when it feels like it's about 28 below zero, but it's really 45 degrees outside, us southern folk can't handle it. We look up to heaven, shake our fists, and we say, I cannot wait for the spring to come. Spring finally comes after what we have called a hard, long, bitter, cold winter. 
things start coming to life. Flowers are budding and, and the honeybees are coming out. And it's, it's great for preaching points. Let's come to life. Let's spring forth with new life. But it's bad on the sinuses. And so all of a sudden, here we are in this season called spring. And we come in the church with puffy red eyes, running noses, running eyes, water all over the place. And we're sneezing as we say, oh, I cannot wait for summer. Summer finally gets here. Oh, how I'm going to enjoy soaking in the sun. But then we get sunburnt. And we're Googling home remedies on how to make it stop and rubbing stuff on our bodies that we're not intended to be rubbed. And we're sunburnt, we're red, and, and, and we, 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 the heat index, literally, I, I, the other day, the heat index was literally 106 outside. And even somebody like me that loves the sunshine, and when it storms and rains, you know after too many days, I kind of get the mully grubs, Right? But I'm begging God, please let it rain and cool down. I'm begging you by the grace of God. We learned that we don't want to go to hell when it's 106 outside because that can't even scratch the surface of how hot it's going to be there. And through the sweat and through the sunburn, we cry out, I cannot wait for fall. Fall's going to be here soon. Thank the Lord for a good fall. Probably my favorite time of the year. Fall gets here. What's wrong with fall? Right? What's wrong with, with fall? I mean, I love it. Everything except for the million plus leaves that fall in my yard. And then I'm screaming again. I wish these trees would die and shed their leaves. I wish this thing was over. Regardless of, of, of the season or how much of a dislike you have for a certain season. There is one thing that we have learned in humanity and the natural course and law of nature. We have learned that we have the reassurance that another season is on the way. And I need to tell somebody to that today. That even though you may be going through a spiritual season right now that you may not like and it may not be going good for you. I want to reassure you today. God wants you to know that you are moving through a season and a season does not last forever. Never give up in between seasons. We call them transitions, right? Throughout transitions, it is so important that we understand this one fact. That God is in control of our life. And when we understand that God is in control, it does not matter the season, the circumstance, the employer, the man that's standing in the way of you getting what you think is something better in your life. We've got to understand that as long as we recognize the doorkeeper, as long as we understand the one that opens the door and the one that shuts the door, everything, honey, it's going to be all right as long as he is in control. It's when he's not in control that things start going bad. So what is a door? A door separates one room from another room. Right? You go in one door and you go to another door. It lets us know most of the time that a transition isn't that far away. That a change isn't far away. So in other words, it may not be too far from one season to another season. It may not be too far from one place 
to going to another place. It may be from brokenness in the wholeness or, or maybe from sickness into health or maybe from poverty into blessing like you've never known. See, understand with me, our problem is the hallway. The problem is not always the door. The problem is the hallway. Do you know what the hallway represents? The hallway represents, if I'm in door A, I started to bring a pile of doors up in here today just for illustration purposes. But they use them for VBS, so I didn't. Door A and door B. When you go through door A, this door right here, you can walk around, but you're going to find that there's a door B at the other end. There's actually a door B here, door B, whichever door you want to take. But this is just the hallway that gets us to the other end of the offices. And I need somebody to understand something. The problem is often the mess that we have to deal with in the hallway. A lot of Christians give up on the next door while they're going through the mess of the hallway. Because when you get through the door, Satan's going to be on the other side in the hallway trying to stop you from getting to the next door that God is wanting to open for you. The room that you're in now, it is not the final room that you were meant to live in. The circumstance you find yourself in now, it is not the finale of this thing, honey. There's another door. You've just got to be able to make it through the hallway. You've got to be able to make it through the circumstance and through the trouble and through the trials. All it takes to move from one place to another place is for God to allow a door to appear in our life. Understand with me that when that door appears, it is suddenly. And that's the way that God often works. It is one step that makes the difference. It is one decision that we make that makes the difference forever. It is one business deal. It is just one day. It is overnight that you can come from one place to another place. If there is a door that comes into your life, it can lead you from one realm to another realm. It can lead you from a low place to a high place. God can give you elevation and he can do it overnight. How many of you believe that God is able to do that for you? You can have everything in that other room, right? If you could just get through the door and get to it. But an open door, I want you to grab this, does not necessarily mean that there's not going to be trouble in the hallway. Amen. Let me show you what Paul said. Go, go to my next scripture. I just want to read this to you. Paul said, For I do not wish to see you now along the way, but, but I hope to stay a while with you if, are y'all ready? If the Lord permits. He understands who the key holder is. He understands who's going to determine these things. He said, But I will tarry in Ephesus until Pentecost. Go to verse 7 again. He says, I'm going to do it if the Lord permits me to do it. And then he goes on to tell us in 1 Corinthians, he says that the Lord put before him a great and effective door that he could do ministry in. The problem was not that the door was not there. The problem was in verse 9. Go to verse 9 for me, Chevy. Let's pull up verse 9. He says, for a great an effective door has opened to me, right? But this is the problem. It goes on and says, and there are many adversaries. Thank you. 
For a great and effective door is open to me, and there are what on the other side of the door? There are many adversaries. You've got to understand with me that God may open doors in your life, but there may be trouble on the other side of the door. So just because, listen, we get excited, oh, God's doing something new, and that's great. But sometimes we're going to have the fight on the other side. But thank God that there's a church in Philadelphia that what they're known for is their faithfulness. What they're known for is their loyalty. What they're known for is that if God will open the door, honey, guess what I'm going to do? Anybody? If God's going to open the door for me, then I'm going to be crazy enough to walk in the door. But I've got to understand that just because I'm walking through a door that God opened, it does not mean that trouble's not going to hit me. But it also does not mean that I'm not going to be effective. Because Paul said, even though trouble has come, there is an effective door. God is still working in the middle of the hallway and in the mess in my life. God opened the door. I just went through it. So the door throughout the Bible is very important. Because open doors... Give me access to something else. And shut doors. What does that mean? It means I do not have access. Now let's be honest. How many of you have been in a hotel before and seen authorized only and it was cracked and you opened it up? Let's be honest. Have you ever been in a situation where you weren't supposed to be in the room but you had to look anyhow? A closed door means stay out, right? An open door means come on in. And so in the realm of the spiritual, we have to see this the same way. That there are some doors that God has shut. There are some doors that God doesn't want me to go through. And he slams them in my face. And he says, this is not my plan for you. But do you know what a shut door means? Not only does it mean that you cannot have access to it, but a shut door sometimes means protection from something else. So God is saying, if I shut this door, and if you don't try to bust it open and get through it, he says, I'm protecting you from something else. I mean, can y'all imagine if you go home tonight, and I do not recommend this, do you remember the good old days? When we talk about, oh, praise the Lord, we used to sleep with the windows up. Anybody remember those days? Anybody still doing that every night? I mean, you just leave the doors unlocked. You know why you don't? Because an open door like that would make you vulnerable, right? And so you shut yourself in because you have to be protected from the enemy. When the door is shut, you are protected. And God does the same things for us. He shuts the door for our protection. In other words, if he is shutting the door on a relationship, it is not so you will be alone crying in a corner for the rest of your life. The reason God shut the door on the relationship is because there was another door that was going to open to you that was going to be better than what you had before. I'm trying to tell us, let's quit beating down the doors that God says leave them shut. Let's quit trying to do things or go places or push to make things happen that are not the will of God when we see the shut door. Something else for you. 
There's another door for you. There's not just one door. So I am so glad that God is my doorkeeper. There's a lot of doors that I would have walked through and I would have went through if I could have. There are some doors that I would have kicked in, ladies and gentlemen. I said, I'm supposed to do this. Ooh, I've been waiting on this. Anybody ever had an opportunity? I've been waiting on this. Boy, I've been praying for this. And then all of a sudden, God says, wait a minute. I'm going to shut that door. And you didn't understand why. But trust me today. When I tell you that God has done it for your protection, the door has got to be shut in your life. Because if you open the door, you're going to do what I do all the time. Just make a mess out of things. There are some doors that need to be shut in our lives. I need I can hear God saying, I need to shut that door because if I don't shut that door, there's some bad things. It's going to get really bad on the other side. But thank God that there's times that God is not just a door shutter. Thank God there are times that God's a way maker and he's a door opener. And thank God that there are times that when it is impossible, that God says, I am about to open a door. It is so powerful, folks, that when he opens a door, he can shake you loose from all the mess in the hallway that you had to deal with. All the mess from other people in the hallway you had to deal with. You are shaking it off. All of that discouragement, you're shaking it off when God opens a new door. All the chaos you went through, you're just shaking it off. All of the drama that you had to go through. Does anybody know what that word means? All of the hardships you've been through. When God opens a door, it's all shaken off of you. And you are loose from it in the name of Jesus. Because you were willing to wait on the right door to open for you. I'm trying to tell somebody today that it is time for you to trust the doorkeeper. You know, sometimes God gives us words of encouragement, words of promise. And there's times that he kind of moves the door. He moves the door. And he changes the people that have access to you. When God gives you a word, when God gives you an encouragement, when God gives you a future and a hope and tells you it's going to come to pass, you need to be careful who you let in your room. Because if you let the wrong person in the room, they're going to tell you to go back to the other door. You need to get out of here. You need to get out of this situation. You've lost your mind. You crazy. You done gone cray cray. It is time for you to turn back. Hey, I appreciate you dreaming, but honey, I'm your friend. If I want your friend, I want to tell you. You got to be careful who you let in that room to talk to you. Because they'll talk you right out of victory. They'll talk you right out of a blessing. That is why sometimes God takes it and he just moves the door. He moves the room. And he says, instead of those people that have been in your life, I'm about to send some other influences into this room. I'm going to send you some voices that will tell you you can do it. I'm going to send you some voices that are going to tell you, you keep dreaming big. a matter of fact, I'm going to send you a voice in there that will say, quit settling for less than God's best for you. If you're going to dream, dream bigger then you've been dreaming. Dream stronger. Believe that God is able. Do something great for the kingdom of God. And don't let anybody tell you you can't. Sometimes God has to bring other people into the room. And give them access to us. Because when you get in the hallway. 
And you're searching for the next door. And you're going through your season. And you're going through your changes. You're walking by faith, not by. It is not what you see necessarily that keeps you going. He says you've got to walk by faith. That means that you've got to trust God that if he opened it, that it was intended for you to go through it. And now you're walking through it and you are going to trust God until you get to the next door. If there's people in your life that are talking down to you in the hallway, do you know what you need to say to them? Goodbye, honey. I don't need you anymore. You don't need people speaking defeat into your life. You don't need people speaking discouragement. You need somebody that's going to speak life over you. You need somebody that's going to speak blessings over you and your family. That's what you need. They need to remind you the Lord, the Lord is your doorkeeper. Throw me them. Have, have I got any keys? Throw me some keys. I need keys. Anybody, grab keys. Throw me some keys. Who's first? Sling them. There we go. Boom, yeah. Isn't that cute? I'm already. I'm going to tell you something, folks. I've been in situations that I thought to myself, man, if I could just, if I could just open this door. And I tried everything in my power to open the door. I've been in hallways, I'm being honest with you, that I was ready, honestly, to knock a hole in the wall and just climb out. I didn't care about a door. I didn't care. All I wanted to do was get out. Just get me out of here. And I tried with all of my power to find the key to get out. Oh, if I could hear one. How can I make this thing work? And I looked for keys. And every key that I tried to find, it won't work. Oh, maybe this. Uh, every key I tried to find, it won't work. But all of a sudden, in the middle of that dark, dismal, death-filled room, God showed up and said, Jimmy, I've got you. And the one that has the keys has the authority to use the keys and to give you access to places you would normally not have. And do you know what he did? He walked to my door that I had beat on and crushed and tried to hit and tried to pray through and tried to fast through and tried to find keys to unlock. He walked right over there with ease and said, the time has come, my son. Click, click, go. I'm trying to tell somebody today, I cannot tell you when God's going to open your door because I don't know. But I came to tell you one thing I do know is that he's the doorkeeper and he's the one that's got the keys and he's the one that's got the power and he's the one that's got the authority to unlock that door. You just hold tight, honey. Quit beating on the door. Tis so sweet the trust in Jesus. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory to find. See whatever hymn you've got to sing. Pick up your Bible and read whatever Bible verse you've got to read. But you just hold on a little longer because God hasn't left you in the hallway by yourself. There's a key opener and he's on the way. Somebody ought to give God praise in this house today. My Lord, have mercy. I got to close. So he can open the doors, give you amazing resources. If you'll just trust me, I'll shut some people out of your life during this season. But when I shut those people out, I'm going to take you to a new level. I'm going to give you new thinking. 
You ain't even going to think the same way when I get finished with you. You've been small in your thinking. I'm fixing to open a door that's going to make it's going to blow your mind. You're going to say, my goodness, how great is my God? I'm going to do things that you're going to stand back and say, there's no way we could have done that by ourselves. There's no way as an individual. There's no way as a church. But all of a sudden, God supplies resources and God gives everything that you need in order to do what God is calling you to do. What I'm trying to tell you is he simply unlocks the door. And he does it with ease. Come to the piano. I'm, I'm going to close. I'm, I'm done today. I say to you, child of God, dream bigger, dream better. Don't listen to the naysayers in your life. Listen to me for just a moment. Listen to people that speak over your life blessing and not cursing. Listen to people in your life that will pour into you and let you know not that your best days are behind you. Get somebody that will tell you your best days are before you. Don't get somebody in your life that all they ever want to do is whine and complain about what they're going through. And it drags you down too. Find somebody in your life that will come in there and say, Honey, I've been praying for you and in the name of Jesus, this thing's about to happen. So he's the doorkeeper, right? We got that. But I was reading my Bible. Go to Matthew 16. I, I read something yesterday and it kind of got me excited. Are y'all ready for this? Matthew chapter 16. Simon Peter answered and said, You ready? This is a revelation. First time it's been declared. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The first time that a disciple figured out who he was. They recognized finally the doorkeeper. They finally recognized the door to heaven. His name is Jesus. Right? Verse 17. So Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barton. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Y'all ready? And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell or Hades, just stay on this one for a minute, shall not. I'm going to tell you they can flood this place. They can come in like a flood. But the Spirit of the Lord is going to lift up a standard against Him. And the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. Let me know, all right, that's great. But verse 19 is where it really gets good. And I will give you the what? Turmoil, it's going to be a wreck. 
you'll never fulfill the will of God if I give you the set of keys to every room you're ever going to enter because you're going to go through the ones that you don't want to go through and you're going to jump to the next level when God says you've got to beat this level first. I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you start binding on earth, it's going to be bound in heaven. Now, now in the scripture, Peter has the keys. In Acts 2, it is Peter who preaches in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people are saved. Peter, his preaching had unlocked the door of heaven for the Jews. In Acts chapter 8, the Samaritans believe the gospel, receive the Holy Ghost. Again, Peter and John are present for the event. Peter, this time, had unlocked the door for the Samaritans. In Acts chapter 10, Peter preaches to a Roman centurion's household, a.k.a. his name is Cornelius, and they too got saved and baptized in the Holy Ghost. Peter has now unlocked the door of heaven for the Gentiles. The keys that Jesus had given him worked in every case. Now I want y'all to think about this for a minute and I'm going to let you go. You and I have the key to the gates of heaven. I'm going to say it this way. We have the keys to the door of heaven. Y'all still with me? In John chapter 10, who is the door? John 10, Jesus said, I. He's not only the doorkeeper. In the end, he said in heaven, he said, I am the door. If a man will come through me and me alone, he will be saved. Another version said, he will be protected from harm. Are y'all ready? The responsibility is it is our duty to lead people to the door and use the keys that Jesus has given us to bind the enemy, to bind the forces of evil on people's lives. You, child of God, have the keys. Now use the keys to unlock the door for someone that is wondering in a hallway of life, looking for answers, looking for Jesus, can't seem to find it. You have it. The answer is Jesus. Let's stand. The, the woman in John chapter 4, i got to hurry. The woman in John chapter 4, she goes to the well. Do you know what she left with? A set of keys to the kingdom. What did she do? Cheryl, she took off running. And she said to everybody, come see a man. All she was doing was getting them to Jesus. There's some of you that God has strategically put you in the lives of other people has opened a door for you to get to them. Please don't walk around them with your keys dangling from your side not using them. Get them to the door of Jesus Christ. Speak over their life. Pour into them. The keys are in your hands. 
Whatever you find on earth is found in heaven. If you would lose something on earth, it would be loosed in heaven. See, Byron, if you got the keys, you have the authority to use it. Child of God, that is you today. So while you're waiting on your door to open, I'm asking you to help somebody get to Jesus because that's really the door that matters anyhow. And you've got the keys in your hand and the authority to use them to help somebody get to Jesus. I sing praises to
I encourage every one of you this way. Recognize if you're a child of God, God gave you some keys too. Please use them. Please use them. There's people that need you to use these keys of authority because they're in a mess and they need you to speak over their life. God's given you the authority. Use it in Jesus' name. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise one more time? God bless you all.